This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. A football Friday. You're on the drive. WSGS News Talk Sports for the Triad. And the Carolina Panthers have the New York Giants Sunday. This game, and really much of week two in that matter, is about what do you believe was real from week one and what do you believe was fake. And when it comes to these two teams, this is what's interesting about the game. They pretty much played the same exact game a week ago. They were both abysmal in the first half. They spotted their opponent 13 points in the second half, only to take the lead for the first time in the final two minutes. The only difference between the two, though, the kicker with the orange helmet in Charlotte nailed the 58-yarder, while the poor kicker in Nashville missed his. So this week is about belief. And here's what I believe. The second-half Carolina Panthers from last week are the real Carolina Panthers, not the ones in the first 30 minutes. Meanwhile, I don't buy the Giants that I saw in the second half a week ago. I buy the Panthers' second half. I don't believe in the Giants, which is why I think Carolina's going to win this game on Sunday. Mostly everything about Carolina's slow start was an aberration, or at least it felt like it. Four first-half touches for McCaffrey? Come on. Botched snaps? batted down balls, four of them, that's not going to happen again. Neither of those things. The run D getting blistered the way that they did, Carolina was top 10 in the NFL in yards per rush. And magically, when Christian McCaffrey started to get the ball in the second half, what happened? A lot of good things. Carolina scored 17 points on their last three drives. And we got to see Robbie Anderson getting behind the secondary. And having a quarterback who could deliver the deep ball to him in stride. We haven't seen that in a couple of years. I'm willing to believe that that is legit. Or more legit than what we saw at the start of the game. The New York Giants, on the other hand, they're not the Cleveland Browns. Yes, Saquon Barkley had a huge game last week. But who spells Saquon? Matt Breida? That's not exactly the one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt. And their O-line, far from their strength. Plus, this is probably more significant, I don't see game wreckers on the edge defensively from New York. In fact, WD, see if you could check the injury report from the Giants earlier today, because I haven't seen it yet. Their two starting edges are banged up. Questionable for the game including top five pick Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. As a result, they only had one sack in the game. So you're not talking about facing Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. You're not talking about facing Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It's a lot favorable, a lot more favorable of a matchup for Carolina. Do you have the Giants injury report? Both of those guys are doubtful. There you go. Don't overreact to week one. Defensive coordinator Phil Snow, I think, said it pretty well how much better he felt about Carolina, how they looked in a loss on Sunday versus the last seven games of the year that ended in losses a year ago. Completely different feel this last game than the last two seasons. You know, we were competitive. We were down. We came back. We were competitive. I, You know, we just lost a close game, you know, the opener. So, you know, I think we're fine. We just got to continue to do what we're doing and, and uh, just keep battling. He doesn't have the zingers that Ben McAdoo does. But when he does say things of substance, I tend to agree with it a lot. Last week did not feel a lot like those losses a year ago. Not every loss is the same, though they count the same. So don't overreact to week one. I think that's what most people are fooled by from week one to week two. You hear it quite a bit that teams take their biggest leap from the first week to the second week. I think you're going to see a lot of the teams that looked really bad in week one, especially the ones that have really good quarterbacks, 
lay down the hammer this weekend, like Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football or on Sunday Night Football, which you could listen to right here on WSJS. They play the Bears this weekend. Or Matthew Stafford probably going to have a bounce back weekend. I think about Joe Burrow after losing to Pittsburgh and turning it over left and right. He's probably going to look really good. Russell Wilson against the Houston Texans. And I think Carolina, too. They looked good at the end. It was just too little, too late. And they still almost won the game. Let me ask you this question. If Carolina played the Giants in the opener, let's say, for some weird reason, week one didn't happen. And this was actually the season opener, not the first, uh, not the second game. What is the line for Giants-Panthers? Is there any chance the Panthers are an underdog? Because I don't think so. I think Carolina's probably a favorite. So the fact that Carolina's getting points in this spot blows my mind a little bit. It's an overreaction. The Giants have this large fan base, and they're excited. They won on the road, and now the Panthers are coming in after losing, and they look terrible in the first half. Surely the Giants have this. Uh Uh-uh. The Panthers are going to win. Carolina, I still believe, is a playoff team. I think they bounced back in New Jersey to win 31-23. to On Twitter at WSJS, the drive if you want in. Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show, taking your calls at 336-777-1600. Let's take a look at the college slate we've got this weekend. I'm not really that concerned about most of our locals. Somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose in Wallace Wade. A&T visiting Duke, another game that you could listen to right here on WSJS. But given how the Aggies have looked, eh, I'd be surprised, let's say. This is me putting it lightly. If Duke didn't figure things out to advance to 3-0. and Especially now that Wake Forest has canceled its future meetings with Liberty. That was big news from the day. I think that game in Winston tomorrow that I'm going to be at, it's going to get ugly. It might even get weird. The 5 o'clock kick, you don't see a lot of those. Wake Forest, big against the Flames. App State's hosting college game day. App Week concluding today. I think we did the job admirably. I think it really helps them that game day's in town. I would have been concerned about a letdown if they beat A&M and then we're just going to host Troy without all this fanfare of game day and the entire deal. I think that makes them feel like the game is bigger and is going to help Sean Clark in preparation. So I'm not really concerned about the Mountaineers. But I will tell you who I am concerned about. It's the game that WD is going to be going to tomorrow in Raleigh. It's NC State-Texas Tech. This fact kind of blew my mind. NC State is facing a non-conference Power 5 opponent hosting a non-conference Power 5 opponent for the first time under Dave Doran tomorrow. Notre Dame doesn't count because that's scheduled by the league. And other times, like the West Virginia game a few years back, which got canceled due to a hurricane in the area, NC State wasn't able to reschedule to this point. So it's not Dave Doran dodging these top teams. It's been difficult to get them to come into Carter-Finley Stadium. You got that tomorrow with Texas Tech. But I'm concerned for the pack because the offense we saw in Greenville, America a couple weeks weeks ago, that that was alarming. And and who thinks that that's addressed? Oh, because you hung 55 on Charleston Southern, that's fixed? That game means absolutely nothing to me. Nothing at all. The run game, it's not the same. When you lose person and bam night. The O-line isn't the same either when you don't have Iki Aquanu, big number 79 at left tackle. You lose a top 10 pick. This is why I was down on NC State going into the year. I was really concerned about the offense. But what I didn't really expect, what I didn't really account for, was the decision-making by Devin Leary in Greenville. That was the most alarming part. His decision-making wasn't good, and this guy's supposed to be the ACC player of the year. But NC State caught some breaks. They got away with it, which is not really the NC State stuff way. They still figured it out. Texas Tech, on the other hand, not going to be afraid. They watch that ECU tape, and they're probably thinking, 
huh. Ruffin McNeil used to be our coach, and he went down to Greenville. Yeah, the Pirates hanging in there. We're a power five. They're not. And they were a kick away from winning it. They're not going to be afraid. And they beat ranked Houston last week, so they're confident. They weren't supposed to be that good. They lost their quarterback for last week and this week. So NC State was supposed to win in a route. Oh, just take care of business. Next time we'll talk to you is the Clemson game. Donovan Smith came in at quarterback for Texas Tech last week. He looked pretty good. So ah, it's a dangerous spot for the pack. I like NC State to survive. I do. But I think it's going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be one possession. It's a night game. Black unis are going to be on. The difference probably going to be NC State's defense, which I still like a lot. Every piece of it. The linebacking core especially. Their safety, Tanner Engel, who's just a perfect college safety. But it's a dangerous spot for State. Everybody else, I don't have concerns about. Carolina's off, by the way. This is a dangerous spot for the Wolfpack. We suck. Let's get the show going. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. The voice of our high school football game of the week, Dave Pulaski, will join us in just a few minutes. Carolina Panthers face the New York Giants on Sunday. Pulaski, I think he's a Jersey guy. I don't know if that means he floats Giants or Jets. We'll figure that out in a few minutes. But here are three things to follow. Benchmarks for the Carolina Panthers when they kick off at 1 o'clock Sunday. And I'm not doing the let's do keys to the game like you see on the TV crew and whatever color analyst tells you that they need to run the ball. They need to get some stops on defense. Special teams going to be key. Got to get off to a good start. Lazy stuff like that. No, no, no. I want to be more precise. Three areas that if Carolina wins in these areas, they win the game. We were really good at handing these out last year, and they turned out to be key areas. So I feel pretty good about this here. Let's start with, you know about the turnover battle. How about the interception battle? The turnover battle is one thing. I'm just focused on the quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. When you look at Vegas odds for throwing the most interceptions in a season, these two are very high up on that list. You could actually bet on that. Who's going to throw the most interceptions in a season? Jones and Baker were popular picks, and they both threw picks last week. If Baker throws fewer picks than Daniel Jones, that's a good sign for Carolina. How about this number? 100 yards from scrimmage for Christian McCaffrey. This is kind of nuts. On Sunday, McCaffrey didn't hit 100 yards on 100 yards from scrimmage. Hard to when you only get the ball 14 times in the game. But Sunday was the first time since 2019 that McCaffrey started and finished a game in which he did not have 100 yards from scrimmage. Think about that, WD. First time during the Matt Rule era that McCaffrey started and finished a game without getting to 100 yards from scrimmage. Five times last year, 100 yards, and then he had the two games he got hurt. Those were the only two games he didn't get to 100 scrimmage yards. And then in 2020, played in three games. One that he got hurt in was the only game he didn't have 100 yards from scrimmage. So... That's the key number to focus on for McCaffrey. Can he get there receiving and rushing? New York held Derrick Henry to 100 yards rushing last week. So do I think McCaffrey's going to go for over 100 yards rushing? Probably not. But does that mean he can't supplement for a lot of that yardage in the receiving game? Of course he can. That's the second thing. Last thing. The sacks number is three. 
Tate Frazier, popular Carolina fan who has the podcast with Mark Titus, Titus and Tate. He has this race to 69 that's become really popular in basketball. Sunday is a race to three. Who gets the three sacks first? Both teams, the Giants and Panthers, had just one sack a week ago and allowed at least four sacks. Carolina simply needs to, the, needs to get to the quarterback more than the Giants do. Three sacks is the number. So are you following along with this? Three things that we're looking at for the Panthers Sunday. Can Baker Mayfield throw fewer interceptions than Daniel Jones? That's number one. Can Christian McCaffrey get to 100 yards from scrimmage? Catching and also rushing the football. Can the Panthers get three sacks? If they do those three things, Carolina wins the football game. If they do two out of the three, they still probably should win, but weird things could happen. And as we saw last week in both the Giants game and the Panthers game, weird stuff often does happen. Now let's go to Dave Pulaski, voice of our high school football game of the week. I know you're from the Northeast. Does that mean you're a Giants guy? It does not. It means I am a depressed Jets fan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A constantly depressed Jets fan. I had a cousin who, I still do have a cousin, who went to the Ravens-Jets game last week, and he told me he was super surprised at the level of optimism in the building. Like, people were convinced even without Zach Wilson in the lineup, oh, yeah, you know, we we still probably get through this stretch where we have a winning record through September, and, you know, maybe we could get to the playoffs if things sh- – and my cousin's standing there listening to these guys as if they're lunatics. What? You guys are Jet fans, and the Jets aren't good. Like, they haven't shown you anything the last few years. How does this happen? He said the guy who was sitting next to him at the game was borderline suicidal. And I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm saying the guy said, I've had enough of this bleep. It's been 40 years that I've followed this team. I'm going to go jump off a bridge. And he actually left the stadium. He didn't come back. I hope the guy's okay. So opening day of 2022 was finally where the line was drawn for him. Out of all That's the amazing. Games, that, I mean, it, was, it wasn't the Doug Bryan kick off the upright against Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game that sent him over the edge. It wasn't. But fumble? I mean, I, I could go through a whole litany of games where I ended up shutting off the TV and questioning my fandom after. All right, let's do this then. What's the moment that broke you? What moment broke Ooh. you as a Jet fan? Uh, well, I was at the butt fumble game. Thanksgiving night. Wow. And I stayed for the entire thing. Wow. Dave Pulaski. Because I don't, I don't leave games early. So I sat through that entire, I don't remember the final score, it was somewhere around 48-27 or 56-27 or something like that. It was terrible. That and does. I stayed through the entire thing. And I never had an easier time getting out of the parking lot at the Meadowlands after that game. That is. But I, that, was, that was probably the one where it was like, because we had a nice thing. We, we did, you know, my tailgate uh, friends and I, we did a full Thanksgiving dinner in the parking lot before the game. That we is fried a turkey, everything. And then sat through that and then very quietly went back home. I'm so I'm not sorry. Even sure if we said, I'm not even sure if we said anything to each other on the way back to the car. <laughs> That's fantastic storytelling. Dave Pulaski, voice of our high school football game of the week, 730 kick tonight, getting to uh, teams that might actually win. You've got a pretty good one in Forsyth County tonight. You got West Forsyth yep. playing Mount Tabor. Uh, who has the edge out of this matchup? Well, on paper, Tabor has the edge because they're off to a three and zero start this season. West Forsyth is off to an zero and three start. And Josh, you always ask me about the Nuggets. My records go back to two thousand four. I couldn't find a season in which West Forsyth started out zero and three. It's a combo of them being very young and them having a super rough non-conference schedule. But going back through their history, I could not find an 0-3 start, at least back through the last 18, 19 years. So on paper, Tabor has a decided advantage. But 
it's conference play. Everybody starts out zero and zero. You heard, uh, we'll hear both uh, head coaches talk about that uh, during pregame tonight. And I mean, West Forsyth is still a talented team and they were starting to figure things out. They played better against Weddington, even though they lost 49, 32 a couple of weeks ago. Now they've had a bye week to get things sorted out and they're still dangerous no matter uh, what their record says. Dave Pulaski, you mentioned it's conference play. What can you tell us about the series between West Forsyth and Mount Tabor? Well, West Forsyth has owned it in recent years. Uh, they've won the last two matchups, seven of the last eight. The only win in that stretch was actually kind of similar to how this game is setting up tonight, although it was Tabor on the other side of it. It was Mount Tabor who came into the game with an 0-2 record. They were really struggling coming out of the gate. West Forsyth was off to a pretty good start to the season. They were decidedly favored in that game but Tabor ended up rallying they won 30 to 24 and I'm not sure if you would remember this Josh but uh, this was uh, the year and the day when West Virginia was on their way to Charlotte to Mm. play Tennessee at Bank of America Stadium and the marching band stopped at Tabor and they performed during halftime because Tabor's principal at the time was a West Virginia grad he was able to convince them to come by and perform at a high school football halftime show and that sparked up the fans, and that sparked up the team, and it was a packed house throughout the night, and Tabor ended up rallying in the second half, and they won. See, not just one nugget. Dave Pulaski's dropping multiple nuggets. I think uh, good things happen to good people who deliver good nuggets on the radio. That means the Jets probably going to beat the Browns on Sunday. You heard it here first. Congratulations, uh, Dave Pulaski, and have a great call tonight. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, buddy. The moment you've all been waiting for. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. Did Al Michaels throw shade at Boone? It's either one of two things. Super cool. Actually, I think both these things could be true. It's super cool that Al Michaels is mentioning Boone, North Carolina on an NFL broadcast. While also probably true that he was taking a shot at Boone and doing so. You be the judge. This is when they went up to the booth at some point in the second half with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet. It's a warm night. You can wear your jacket. What's going on here, man? <laughs> 78 degrees. <laughs> Have fun in Boone, North Carolina, by the way. I appreciate that. Yes, I'm sure you do. I will be texting you. (laughs) Yes. Making sure you're dialed in. I'm doing nothing to stir on. (laughs) Then I'll fly to Kyle Field. There you go. After the little weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I'm looking at this on a piece of paper, enjoy Boone this weekend. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I'm sure you do. And then I got to go fly to Kyle Field. Or I'm going to make sure that you're watching. I'm going to have it on Do Not Disturb. Huh. I don't appreciate that tone from Al Michaels. (laughs) I don't appreciate it. I'm sure the folks in Boone don't. Either. 336-777-1600. Was Al Michaels taking a shot at Boone there? It sounds like to me during like a previous commercial break, Kirk Herbstreet was talking to Al. Man, I got to go to Boone, North Carolina. As soon as this game ends, production meetings, and then I got to fly to Kyle Field afterwards. And then Al decided to bring that up on the air. And I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm sure you are. I appreciate that. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. We'll see how it comes through on the broadcast. The Amazon broadcast was a terrific success, by the way. Anybody have issues trying to watch it other than WD who doesn't have Amazon Prime? Nothing really stood out from a negative perspective, which is impressive for something that is completely new. It is a new outlet. It's a new way to watch football. It is a new crew. The music, the talent, the... You fill in the blank, the the graphics, the cameras. It felt like a normal football broadcast, which might not mean a lot to you, but I'm telling you, that's a difficult thing to do right out of the gate with all those moving parts. 
The NFL is top of the line. So if you look the way that a Monday night football game does, Monday night football having that crew together for as long as they have, Sunday night football or Fox or CBS's top game, if you hold up right out of the gate, that is a huge win. And to Herb Street's credit, he wasn't college guy in the booth. Air quote, college guy. How many guys in that game that suited up do you think Kirk Herbstreet has called at least one of their games in college? How many of those guys in the field on the field? What do you think the number is? 75%? Like, if you're playing in the NFL, you're probably were really good in college. And if you're really good in college, I know there are exceptions to this, you probably played at one of the bigger schools. And if you played at one of the bigger schools, odds are Kirk Herbstreet's called one of your games. And I, I can't recall at any point he said, you know, I was calling one of Justin Herbert's games back at Oregon. I remember watching Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. He never did that. It was always focused on the game in front of him. He wasn't, air quote, college guy. And I felt the broadcast was easily accessible. This is only the beginning you're going to see this type of stuff. Do you know who loved this broadcast the most last night? advertisers because do you know what's different about streaming than watching a game on cable you're not flipping the channels you have it on the streaming service you're not flipping to something else no you're sitting through that commercial break there's a higher percentage that you watch the ads and also they have enough information about you digitally that with geo-fencing and things like that, they could target things specifically towards you a lot better. So advertisers love it more than anybody else, and I guarantee you that's a huge win. And I bet you a lot of other sports entities are taking notes. The NFL is king. A lot of people follow what the NFL's doing, and the fact that Amazon's in on this game, it's only the beginning of this. I, I bet you we eventually get to a place where ESPN offers straight-to-consumer access, where... In other words, you could still watch them on cable, but you have an option if you cut the cord that you could access ESPN directly, the same way that you would access Amazon Prime. But I felt that was a success. I really did. Want to get to a pretty big headline for, from earlier today. It has been quite a month for the folks in Boone. Two weeks ago, 63-61 happened. State school came up the mountain. It was an exciting game. Last week, for the first time since the Michigan game, App took out a top 10 team. Tomorrow, college game day is going to be in town, which is still nuts to me. But based on a headline that we've seen just in the last few hours, there might be more good news on the way for the App folks. Because it seems like the Wake Forest App State series could be returning sooner than we thought. But let's back up for a second. Just a few days ago, we visited with Doug Gillen, App State AD, and I thought it would be a good time with them playing big opponents like Carolina and playing Texas A&M to ask him, what's the deal with the Wake App series? They had a game supposed to happen in 2020. They canceled that. And they haven't played now for five years. What gives? And Doug Gillen gave us this update. Well, you know, John and I have had some really good conversations. Literally as late as last night, we were texting back and forth and just working on the dates um, to not only, you know, have us come down there, but have hopefully have Wake come back up here and, and keep it going. So play more than one game, you know, actually when we, you know, we didn't do that game in 19, we both said, hey, we'd really like to play three games, you know, uh, that one game and then a home at home. So John and I are working real hard to just get some dates to clear up to make that happen. I expect that to, to, to come to fruition here pretty soon. Happen pretty soon? First thing I did when he said that was look at future opponents for Happen Wake, and I saw a problem. Well, Wake Forest is booked through 2026. They wouldn't be able to play until 2027. That's five years from now. Then the headline dropped today that Liberty and Wake Forest have canceled their home and home for 2026 and 2027, or pardon me, 2025 and 2026. Interesting, right? 
Doug Gillen and John Curry have been talking this week about future dates. This is going to come into fruition sometime soon. And now we've got this headline. I think you could pretty much book it. 2025, both teams are free on August the 30th, which I think is going to be week one that year. That's going to be the start of that season. And it's going to be the makeup from 2020. That's another thing that he talked about in that quote, that they would be looking to get them to come back to Boone. It would be a home-and-home and and a makeup for the 2020 game that did not happen. So it'll be two games at Wake, one at App State. I think it'll start in 2025. I don't think the trip back up the mountain would happen for 2026 for two reasons. Number one, you look at Wake Forest's schedule, they already have two road games out of conference scheduled for that year. I don't think Dave Clawson's going to want to schedule three road games in his out-of-conference games. Also, maybe App State might want a breather that year. It would be awesome from our perspective, those who consume this, if their out-of-conference was East Carolina, Charlotte, NC State, and Wake Forest, all in-state teams. But that might not be the easiest thing for the Mountaineers in 2026 to make that happen. So my guess, sometime soon, they're going to announce 2025, they're going to play in Winston-Salem, and then 2027 and 2028, they're going to re- they're going to pick up the series with a home and home. That's what I think is going to happen. More good news. Not a bad time to be a Mountaineer. In fact, you could argue there's no better time to be an App State Mountaineer than this week. Because have you heard? They're hosting game day. Yeah. But here's the thing beyond that. I think there's a chance next week and the week after that, some of our local teams could be featured a game day. Like a college game day visit is going to feature teams from our state next week and the week after that. But one of those locals might not be the one that you're immediately thinking of right now. That and a visit with David Glenn are next on The Drive. The Drive with Josh Graham, only on WSJS. I'm going to make a prediction. College game day is going to get very familiar with our state's teams. Not just because App State is hosting game day tomorrow for the first time. But when I look at the next two weeks, there's a chance they could be coming to cities featuring our teams playing Three consecutive weeks that could happen. So when you look at beyond this weekend, there are two options I think that are in play for a game day visit. One's obvious. Clemson at Wake Forest. Clemson ranked in the top five. They're going to win against Louisiana Tech. Wake Forest is going to take care of Liberty tomorrow. Where do I sign up? Two top 15 teams? Bring them to Winston-Salem. The only time college game days ever come to Winston was to open the 2020 season and fans weren't allowed to attend. So that doesn't really count as a game day, right? Let's go to Winston. A week after you were in Boone. That actually might not be the most appealing option to ESPN, though. Duke at Kansas. What? Duke at Kansas is growing... In terms of buzz, Duke's going to be 3-0. and They'll beat North Carolina A&T, who's off to a rough start. Duke, looking pretty good under Coach Elko. This will depend on Kansas. If Kansas beats Houston tomorrow, then I think that's going to be the place they go. They like to go to places they haven't been before, which is why they're in Boone. Kansas is one of eight Power five schools that have never hosted college game day. There's a lot of ACC flavor to this, by the way. Duke's another. Virginia has never hosted it. Syracuse. They're technically ACC. And if you don't want to count them, Maryland, we're certainly not counting them. Maryland hasn't hosted game day. Rutgers is another one. Cal and Illinois are the last two. Those are the teams that have never hosted college game day before. 
So Duke 3 and 0, Kansas 3 and 0, get Coach K and Bill Self picking games together at Kansas. That would be great, wouldn't it? The joke is this isn't basketball, but you have the basketball coaches picking the games. What's Coach K up to? You think he's going to turn down ESPN? Go to Allen Fieldhouse? No, no, no. That would be great. I actually think that's the more appealing option. That's what they would want to do over go to Clemson and Wake Forest. And you're thinking probably, Josh, why is that the case? Both those teams will be in the top 15. You just said it. This is something I've said for the last few weeks. I think game day is sitting on Clemson and NC State for that October 1st date. I think Clemson hosting NC State is more appealing to game day than Wake Forest hosting Clemson because of NC State beating Clemson last year. Wake Forest hasn't beaten Clemson under Dabo. NC State did. And that sets up a more compelling matchup with a little bit more bad blood than you would get in Winston-Salem next weekend. So don't rule that out. I do think there's a very real chance you could get game day in Boone this weekend. Then a North Carolina team featured on the show with Duke visiting Kansas, as crazy as that might sound. And by the way, Kansas isn't bad. You watch them play. They upset West Virginia and Morgantown. They've actually looked pretty good. Houston coming off the loss to Texas Tech. Their only win was against UTSA, and that was like double or triple overtime. Keep an eye on that. It could be Kansas and Duke, and then NC State at Clemson. Probably the best option on that October 1st slate. But while we're talking about college game day, I want to welcome in our good friend, friend of the triad, not just friend of the show, David Glenn, whose stories you could read at chapelboro.com, including the one that he posted yesterday, holding court ESPN's game day, making a rare visit to NC soil. So rather than Early in the sh- earlier in the show, spoiling some of the things you found in the story, DG, just how rare is an on-campus visit from College Game Day within our state's borders? Well, Josh, it's great to be with you as always. The answer is that it's extremely rare. That show has been a traveling circus for 30 years, and this is only the seventh trip to a North Carolina city. And out of those seven trips... Only four have been on campus the way they're visiting App State over this coming weekend. So it is truly rarefied air, and I I make the argument that only App State this year and UNC way back in 1997, they're the only two schools in our state that can claim they're the reason, or at least a central part of the reason, that game day is coming to North Carolina. Yeah, Carolina, everybody remembers who's old enough to remember, 97 where Carolina was top five in the country facing Florida State and losing to Bobby Bowden Seminoles that day. I remember vividly 2004 when NC State hosted game day with Miami, a top five team coming in. And I actually remember Lee Corso picking the upset. He picked NC State to win that day. And then some guy named Devin Hester returned the opening kickback for Miami. And they went on to win 45-31 that day. Wake Forest, as we were just talking about a second ago, hosted game day in the 2020 season, but no fans were allowed to attend, which I guess answers the question, like, if college game day happens and there are no fans around to see it, did it actually happen? It did, and now you got Boone this weekend. I I know you're a huge fan of Boone and visiting there for football games. Is there anything you want to see featured on the show tomorrow that you're looking forward to seeing featured? Well, side note, I loved the bingo card that you created. (laughs) (laughs) That shows your knowledge of Boone, your knowledge of App State, and some good old-fashioned hard work by you and your staff to put that together. I thought that was super creative. And obviously, not only have I covered games at App State for decades, you know, my daughter's a junior there. So I've gotten to know the school you know, even better than you get to know it by covering football or basketball games. I've spent a lot of time out there, Kid Brewer Stadium included, and I just love the place. I mean, you and I are lucky to live, and your listeners, and I believe one of the best states in the whole country, 
and it's partly because of the beach where I get to go wherever I, whenever I teach at UNC Wilmington, but it's also partly because of our great mountains and so many cool places to live in between. And sports is a huge part of that. I mean, you know, ECU someday wants to host game day. Duke someday wants to host game day. Only the Tar Heels and the Mountaineers really almost forced game day to come to Chapel Hill and Boone. Those Three of those other examples didn't even include a state of North Carolina team for those games in Charlotte. So it, technically game day was on North Carolina soil in those three examples, but it's a lot more special when you see the Wolfpack or the Deacons or the Tar Heels or the Mountaineers actually playing in these games. David Glenn's with us here. He's on Twitter at David Glenn Show. Again, the story you can find at chapelboro.com as he did a deep dive on North Carolina's history with college game day, which I'll give you credit for your creativity and doing and doing that research. I haven't seen anybody else really do that. But DG, you mentioned Avery. I've been living vicariously through App State fans this past week as somebody who went to ECU and wondered, hey, could college game day ever come to my city? I'm a little jealous of App fans, to be honest. I'm living vicariously through them, especially with Lee Corso, 87 years old and all, being there for the first visit to App State, probably putting on the Yosef head tomorrow. Tell me about... Your daughter's experience last Saturday as the as her Mountaineers beat A and M, and what she plans to be doing tomorrow. Well, I forget how much you've been around Avery, but she is. Whereas my son Anthony is a very low key, uh, go with the flow kind of observer kind of guy who will jump into the action when appropriate. Avery is a fireball, spitfire. I always told her that if we if she happened to be Native American and we used that tradition of naming somebody by their personality, I would have named her Hair on Fire. Uh, <laughs> Avery turned out to be just fine. Uh, but she was a, a little bit uh, – she had mixed emotions, I'll put it that way, because she loved the fun factor. She is a rock star personality in her own right. She was upset when she found out the next day that some pretty cool art and other neat things had been destroyed as a part of the celebration. You know how it goes. Most people party the right way. Some people always go a little bit too far. Uh, but she she's, feels special that, you know, she is at a school that uh, has a program during her time there that during and after consecutive coaching changes still seems to have a winning culture. And Kid Brewer Stadium is always jammed, and she has been part of that student population at times. And King Street is always overflowing. And it's not just when game day is in town. Now, obviously, it's harder to fill the 50 and 60,000-seat stadiums than it is uh, the 30 and 40,000-seat stadiums. But, uh, you know, the size of your alumni base, the size of your city, all those things come into play. The Mountaineers from Scott Satterfield and Coach Jerry Moore prior to that, of course, at the FCS level, through the one year of Eli Drinkwitz, now at Missouri, uh, and then through the Sean Clark era, they really haven't missed a beat. I mean, they're, what, sixth in FBS victory since 2015 behind only the Alabamas, Ohio States, Clemson, and Georgias of the world. Uh, and they keep winning not every year, but a lot of Sun Belt championships at the FBS level. So, you know, you beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M, you deserve a lot of rewards for that. If you and I made a list of all of our in-state program's top ten road wins, I mean, all schools combined, I'm not sure we would fill the fingers on both hands, Josh. And I mean like in 100 years of polls. So that was a special victory, and now App State has a chance. They could be the only North Carolina team to host game day and then actually win the game in the aftermath of game day. That's never happened before. See, that was the craziest part from the story um, that you can read at chapelboro.com, in my opinion. You've kind of hinted at it. This has been a debate all week long. Where do you stand on the best program in North Carolina debate? Well, I just got asked best team, best program, and, of course, they're two very different things. Um, I see why NC State and Wake Forest are ranked right now and why you know other teams are not. So I think when the Deacons play the, the Wolfpack, that might be your best team in North Carolina this season. Uh, they're going to go head-to-head. Unfortunately for App State, they already had a shot at somebody, and they lost head-to-head to the Tar Heels. So it's going to be hard for the Mountaineers to win that crown because head-to-head matters a lot, especially if there happen to be two similar resumes. The program question is different because I find it hard to vote against App State. Um, I I love what Wake Forest has done under Dave Clawson, but here's the reality. This is year nine for him. 
Do you know how many times Dave Clawson has had a winning record in conference play with the Demon Deacons? Five and three or better, just a winning record. In Got maybe twice. The answer is once, oh, okay. and it was last year. So, with all due respect, I think he's one of the greatest coaches in any sport at Wake Forest in the history of the school. He's also somebody I admire personally and professionally. But if you want to be called the best program in North Carolina, you're going to have to put up a winning record in conference play more than one time in a decade. I mean, seriously. At some point, you've got to raise the bar. Now, I am aware that the ACC competition level from top to bottom is significantly harder than Sunbelt competition from top to bottom or American Athletic Conference competition from top to bottom. So program-wise, you know, I, I said it earlier, App State is uh, – last I saw sixth. I think I forgot to mention Oklahoma. So those five, those five schools since 2015, <laughs> you're, in the na- you're in the neighborhood with Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma – uh, and who am I forgetting? You're sick. Alabama. I think I think if you got Alabama. Alabama. Well, duh, duh. Yeah, right. <laughs> How could I forget Nick Saban and company? That's a pretty good program, and and the program word is perfect when you can sustain it through what was it? There was that one stretch that there were three different coaches in three consecutive years, and yet the Mountaineers just keep uh, rolling along. That's to me a program even if it's not in a Power 5 conference. And it was evidenced in the post-game interview he did with Taylor McGregor, Sean Clark, after the game against A&M. Why are you so emotional? And he was talking about how rough last year was. We lost three games at App State, <laughs> and that's that doesn't happen at App State, which speaks to exactly what you're talking about. DG. And, and Josh, real, real, real yeah, quick, please. let me just add quickly. I'm excited that Dave Doran has built success at NC State. I'm excited that Dave Clawson has built success at Wake Forest. My vote does not disdain those programs in, in any way. No, no, no. I'm excited that Mac Brown's 3-0 at Carolina. I've spent decades where there was little to celebrate in this state in the sport of football at the highest level. The fact that we have, you know, five or more interesting stories to follow, I'm just celebrating all of it. Uh, rather than inviting the hate from people because I didn't vote for their school. We're comparing <laughs> supermodels. That's what we're doing, right? Amen, brother. Like, well put. Well that's, put. Like if Invite I, me back for that one. I, I'm, learning, <laughs> I'm learning what married life is like. And, uh, I, you know, it's don't say that Kate Upton is better looking than your wife. Don't say that because that, 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 will, become, that will come off as an insult, which is why I did not say that. <laughs> Notice that. Uh, DG, <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I, I was expecting you to say Avery jumped into the duck pond and that she was going to have a have, have a sign up tomorrow that we could watch on game day. That's what I was expecting. I, I don't think she got a ticket to be in that, what is it, 500 yeah. youngsters are allowed in that pen there. I don't think she's one of those. She does love sports, but let's just say she's not quite as passionate about the sporting part of the college experience as you and I were. Yeah, cra- she's not a crazy person. That's essentially Correct. what you're saying. DG, you're, you're the best. You're not a crazy person. You're, you're really good at what you do. Chapelboro.com. Read the story about game day in the state of North Carolina. I uh, hope to see you sometime soon, buddy. Thanks for the time. I appreciate you, my man. Keep yeah. up the great work. Places, everyone. Come on, places, please. We're ready. Get your morning off to a great start with Jeffrey Griffin on Triad Today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. You know what videos are unbeaten, never lost? Make me laugh every time. Any video of DJ Khaled saying anything will make me laugh. (laughs) There's this viral clip that's out there where he's talking about people not believing in us. That's just, wow, chef's kiss, perfect. If you missed David Glenn or Dave Pulaski on today's show, best of pod, great football Friday. Search The Drive with Josh Graham on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. We'll take it to the house in a second, but we got some business to take care of first. A rhinestone cowboy Friday. Let's get into it. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Riding out on a horse in a star-spangled rodeo. Like a rhinestone cowboy. Let's 
take it to the house. Past the 15, past the 10, past the 5 for the drive. We'll take it to the house. One, two, three. House call. Like Justin Herbert throwing a pick on the goal line last night. House call. What do we got? So, Mexican pizza. It mm-hmm. returned to the Taco Bell menu this week. That happened. It did. Pizza Hut got clearly got wind of this. So the question is, did they throw shade at Taco Bell with their new menu item? They are introducing a new product called an Italian taco. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, What's an Italian taco? It's essentially like when you fold a slice of pizza. Like you know when you fold a slice of pizza, that's exactly what it looks like. Okay, so which I do this, but is it firm or does it look firm? It doesn't look, or is it just gonna flop back into a regular pizza? I don't know how well it's gonna work. But the description here in the story, it really doesn't look new at all. I mean, they're they're selling it as its own new thing, but it just looks like a folded up piece of pizza. Do you do that with every type of pizza? Do you fold it? Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Okay. What is the deciding factor? The amount of greasiness or? No, I'm just, just a mood. Just a, it's a mood? It's a mood. Usually, though, like, I, I, so I'll get about halfway through my slice, and then I'm like, I'll fold it. Are you more compelled to to fold it if it's more greasy or less greasy? The greasiness doesn't really play a factor in it. If it's like a wider slice, like a big, a wide, like New York style, I'll probably fold it. Have you gotten the Costco pizza yet? No. Those slices are gigant- gigantic. I gotta go this week. Just like the pizza. Or so, uh, just like the, the hot dog. Chicken bake. <laughs> I Get love the chicken bake. I love the chicken bake. No, but like the pizza or the hot dog. That's what you get. And Can't get the chicken bake? I usually go hot dog because it's cheaper than the pizza, which sounds stupid because it's a buck fifty. Mm. But you also get the drink. You get the fountain drink with the hot dog that you do not get with the pizza. If the fountain drink came with the pizza, I'd probably get the pizza. But the fact that it's cheaper than the pizza and I get the fountain drink, game changer. These are the things I need to know. That's what I'm here for. For you, when it comes to Costco, for the rest of the triad, when it comes to this crazy world we call sports. Enjoy the football weekend. Sam Washington, tell the people what's going to happen with my picks this week. Tell them to bring me my money. Bingo. We'll talk to you on Monday.